What is up, everyone? This is Press X Start Podcast Season 6, Episode 2. Press X is an audio and video podcast seeking to transform the video game media landscape through an underserved and protected point of view. Microsoft, acquire us, please. Please don't. I am your host, EJ, a.k.a. <laughs> Sexy Bad Choice, <laughs> a.k.a. I cook, I clean, I'm cheap, and I'm pretty cool. Again, Microsoft, acquire us. <laughs> it's your boy Jordan, aka JXBot, aka I don't really have a second one after that. Just JXBot, but I got you, I got yeah. you, aka Microsoft Acquire. <laughs> <laughs> it's your heavyweight champion from a wish nigga of California, aka the janitor because we watch niggas, aka Moon Cricket, Moon Knight's black cousin, Marcus Ellison. <laughs> worse technically moon knight's black cousin would still be moon knight because the character is a cultural legacy don't, passed down from egypt don't take this away from me Avery. in your face marcus <laughs> <laughs> right and, and who are you i'm avery there we go nailed it microsoft where else are you going to get this kind of humor huh where else where else acquire blessing idea what is the name <laughs> Audio. <laughs> Blessing Audio Jr. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you know something about uh kind of funny being acquired by Microsoft? I don't know. <laughs> In the way Tim Gaty talks about things, you never know. Right. <laughs> All right, uh, that is who we are, and let us give you the highlights of this episode. Boy, uh, well, we're gonna talk about, of course, Microsoft um just throwing money at Activision Blizzard. And Sony's response to that. Uh, we were also going to talk about E3 and what's happening there. And then we're going to talk about, we'll, pro- we'll probably get into the whole Lego um, Skywalker saga problems that they're having at that development studio. But um, that's it. That, that's pretty much the big things for this episode. And the thing we're about to do now is talk about what we have been playing. Uh, I am first. I had a pleasure of playing a game from George, aka Fake Helium. Uh, last episode, if you missed it, he had wrote in and asked us if we could try out Hollow Knight and another game. Shout out to George. Yeah. Uh, it was Hollow Knight and Terraria. I played Terraria. I never played Hollow Knight, so I decided to give it a go. Um, I put in about maybe like seven to eight hours into this game. I'm really enjoying it. Um, it feels a lot like Mega Man in that you start kind of depowered. Well, it's a it's a Metroidvania game. So you start mm-hmm. depowered and you play the game, you get um, different abilities and you can use those abilities when you backtrack to find new areas in the overall like map area. Um, I'm having a really good time with it. It is. I had to kind of adjust with the tempo and rhythm of the game. Because it is very much so, you can't brute force it. You have to figure out, like, what are the tells to the enemies you're fighting? Because they do a lot of damage. Um, You can heal in the game, but the healing uh, requires that you stay still. And it's not super fast, so you are very vulnerable. And there was a few times where I was fighting bosses, and I was like, I gotta gotta heal right now. And I sat there and healed. I got my health back, but there was like a... A little bit of a delay before you can move again and the boss just like 
And I was like, all right, I'll see you later. <laughs> but um, overall, I'm having a great time with it. Um, I don't know exactly how far I am into the game. Uh, when I started playing the game, I was very much so just going in a direction and kind of seeing what happens because, because I don't have any context for this. And I, I haven't really played any Metroidvania games. It feels kind of... I'd probably say it feels like Dark Souls-like, where it's not given to you in the forefront. You kind of have to do some reading. You have to talk to characters and it like slowly builds out like what's going on. And from what I've experienced so far with hollow Knight, the idea is that the top level, uh, there was a town, but most of the people in the town went into the caverns to find something, but no one really came back and they kind of, some went crazy and you're actually fighting the townspeople. But some of them are sane and you talk to them and they come back to the town and they unlock like a store that you can buy charms with or a um, like a metro system that can take you in different places in the map. So it's really cool. Um, if you have it free on PS Plus, I would suggest just trying it out. It's a fun game. So that's that. Thank you. Thank you, George. I am going to continue playing this game and I'm going to. Hopefully, I'll beat it before um, Elden Ring, but I can't make any promises. And once Elden Ring comes out, I'm probably going to be probably going to be doing that. But yeah, for two definitely. whole weeks, <laughs> for two whole days, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I I'm hoping that I um, I'm not hoping anything. I'm gonna play it longer than two weeks for sure. For sure. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Jordan, what you been playing? <laughs> um, beyond Mass Effect, uh, which I talked about last time, I was also going to play Hollow Knight, but it was just surrounded by all these other games um, that I'm still trying to get through. So, thank you for the recommendation. I do plan on playing it, but I probably won't have any takes on it until way later. Mm -hmm. um, but what I've also been playing um, is a game that has it's a good way of reducing anxiety. It's called Evil mm -hmm. Genius 2. I may have talked mm -hmm. about this in the past. It came out, I think, last fall around September. It was on Game Pass or Game Pass PC. And it's essentially Ant Farm base building. It's not a, it's not a 4X uh, strategy game like um, um, Humankind or Civilization. It's Ant Farm, essentially. You know, you build your little okay. base. You have your little evil genius. And you recruit your main minions. It's kind of like the movie. Um, what was that? The Despicable Me and all that. Um, you're yeah. basically playing through and um, you have your <laughs> minions, you give them certain specialties to which they're able to do more complex work, be it like guarding, research. Um, you have like um, a resort section of your evil lair to which you have to distract um, any type of government officials that come in. Um, but basically, my evil genius is a um, she's a black woman and hey. she's a cross between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, to which she okay. is very much so. So sick a robot. Of, yeah, well, she's very she's very sick of uh, humanity and the human condition, and she wants to transfer everyone's consciousness over to the social media, essentially. Ooh. Wait, wait, wait. can I guess her name? Oh, so can I guess her uh, name? you can. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go because you said it's a combination of those two. I'm gonna say her name is um, Martha Musk. <laughs> No. Yep. Just, just waiting for that. Just waiting for that time yeah. I drop in, DJ. Thanks for the contribution. Yeah. I do it again. Thank you. 
<laughs> yeah, just, a good try. I mean, I, yeah, I chef's kiss deadpan. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember their their name too much, but it's just I mean, it's a game to which if I start playing it, I made hours. Just just I mean, like it's that, oh, just yeah. laser focus. You just yeah. you're seeing everything go up. You're doing all these side quests, but uh, and I think it was nominated last year's Game Awards uh, for strategy game, but it didn't win. Hmm. But it was a fun. It's still a fun game that I cannot play during the weekday because I will end up playing it until like two a.m. in the fucking morning. Right. I can't play that game that much. But yeah, Evil Genius <laughs> too. Okay. Um. Next up is uh Avery. What you been playing? So I forgot to put this on the list because I was just thinking about it. I went back to Far Cry Six. Uh, I oh. just. My early criticism of that game about its world being too big and there being way too much shit to do, that's still there. But like now that I'm sitting here in this, I'm waiting for games, period. There's like I have nothing but free time. And my uh, I guess my my vigor for actually playing games is at its peak. So I'm like, I'm now now I have the energy to actually tackle that game. And it's like I'm, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I also really like the character of Danny Rojas, especially the female version, because sometimes when you when you're in a car, which I rarely did, but when you're in a car and like a, a banger comes out on the radio, she starts singing it too. And like this is actually uh, kind of this is kind of cool. Uh, okay. Also, I started playing Lost in Random, which was a part of EA's original uh, EA Originals uh, program along with it takes two i wanted to get to it earlier but i just didn't have a chance and so it was in my backlog of games i was going to look forward to in the in the drought and uh i i don't know how i feel i'm like maybe four to five hours into it i like the game's concept i like the world it has the same problem i had one of the same problems i had with psychonauts in that i just hate this game's aesthetic i think it's aesthetic is just like from it's a like cart it's, it's not even like it's not even like the dirtiness it's like the actual world design <laughs> It's just like in Psychonauts, I was like repulsed by a lot of the characters I looked at. In this one, <laughs> damn, no, it's like are character. Like it's, I have a thing with characters with four fingers. Oh, I, I just oh, hate so you, that. Mean, you mean three fingers and a thumb? Well, that that's my thing. Raz yeah. and Psychonauts has five. Every other character has fucking four, and I'm like, why? <laughs> why is this inconsistency there? I'm like, this is weird. Is he the? Is he the only human there? I don't know. Uh, no. <laughs> what? Often <laughs> random. I think the main character and her sister. I can see like so like a cuteness in this. I'm like I have no problem with this. But it's every other character you encounter for some reason they decide to like. No, these are all just monsters. We're not gonna talk about it. <laughs> this lady just has four eyes. <laughs> oh, it's weird. I just like I just don't like the the aesthetic of the characters in this game. Uh, and I think the controls. I need to get into them more. But I think. It's just weird. Like, I, what I didn't expect it to be was like a card game. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how do you like that system? Because that was I, the one thing that I was just like, oh, that's an interesting. I, 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 I need to get deeper because I only got my first taste of combat recently. And I got my dice dicey and I just did that. But like, I, I need to see like the nuts and bolts of its combat and like more frantic encounters. Because ultimately what it looks like, it seems relatively easy, I guess. Okay. Like there's not like I... Pull out a, a, a slingshot, shoot like weak points to build up a uh, like a, a meter. Then I then use the open cards, and like like the game starts you off to give you a bow, a sword, heals, and then that's about it. I haven't really gotten any more cards, so like I want to know if there's more depth to it. I'm hoping there's more depth to it, but otherwise I'm 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 feel super early into it. And okay. then uh, last thing I wanted to talk about is actually I'm gonna uh, shoot this over to Marcus so he can talk about it. But yeah, Apex Legends. Yeah, so um, 
As I mentioned last week, I re-downloaded Apex Legends and got back into that. And at the first opportunity, uh, Avery and I got back into the saddle. Um, the, the last few months have been really good for, you know, Avery and I just rekindling our, our, our partnership, our marriage via video games. And, you know, coming off the back of It Takes Two. With new, new story relationship, Apex Legends yes, yes. brought back together. <laughs> Yes. And you finally gave him time, Marcus. That's great. Look, man, I was working hard out here in California. <laughs> I was trying to put food on the table. <laughs> Were you, though, or did you just go across America to, to all come up with another excuse? You shut your mouth. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, the uh, first games back was just me and Avery, and um, mm-hmm. we were just running duos. And I, we played a good amount of games, but like, once we what really got back you? into the, uh, I started out as Lifeline and then I became Bloodhound and now Bloodhound's yeah. my main. Because mm. if one thing I enjoy about playing with Marcus, he he helps my eye gelling and my just my in game leading in just like mm-hmm. the micromanaging thing. Because like when he was playing Lifeline, I think Lifeline's a fine character for a beginner, but in a three v three fight, she's kind of useless because mm-hmm. ultimately her most useful ability is her revive which only works if I have gone down in the fight, which then right. leaves Marcus in a 1v2 and I can't protect myself while I'm dead. So that yeah. means he still has to 1v2 a team. Like Lifeline, which used to have a uh, res shield, was I think actually pretty good. Like you could actually play off that well. But now yeah. she's like, I, you don't pick Lifeline if someone's playing Gibraltar. And since I'm main Gibraltar, I didn't really see uh. the point. And so I, knowing Marcus only didn't have any other characters unlocked, I'm like, you know what? You know who's a super easy character? who's broken, but like really meta offensively, Bloodhound. And he's been running Bloodhound and he's actually been getting really good with him. Them. Okay. Yeah. And Pretty so running with Bloodhound and we, once we got back into the groove, really, we were, you know, generally placing in most cases, unless we decided to, to just get into a fight right away, we were generally placing about like top 10, and then we caught a fat dub one time where um, I think we got to like the last two and I um, popped Bloodhound's alt and Avery went down. And so I was chasing homeboy around with the alternator and then I, I clapped him and, and we got that nice dub. Wow. Okay. Me and Marcus have gotten two duos wins. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have both recorded. Our first one, it, uh, there are no comms into those because I, I didn't realize the PS4 could actually record voice comms. Mm-hmm. That's on me. But uh, so the first one, both wins are on Stormpoint. One mm-hmm. win was like, I play positioning a lot because like positioning wins games, especially when you're like playing the zone. And so like we, I, I predicted end zone. I called end zone. We played end zone. Uh, I entered on Gibraltar because, <laughs> like, I just like it was the last team, so I'm like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna run at this kid." I got down, and then Marcus clutched up and got the win. And then the second one was just like, I predicted end game. We sat at end game for ten minutes, <laughs> and then we're like, I was sitting there going, "Like, where the fuck is everyone?" <laughs> and then I, I heard gunshots <laughs> on the other side of a mountain, and we just the other team just had to rotate into us, and they just kind of died by the vine. I only recorded the last five minutes of that game because, like. Nothing else happened in the beginning of it. Yeah, the, for the most of that, when we were just kind of running around looting, and then we got to end game. And was that the game where you popped uh, the Gibraltar ult, and like the the other people just got caught in it? 
Or was no. that when we were playing with Sean? That was the game we were playing with Sean, which is okay. my finest IGLing in Apex Legends play of all time. And I've had some banger games. But like <laughs> the narrative of this game is that it was World's Edge. I like to land big mod uh, Lava City World's Edge because that guarantees me good guns and crafting so I don't leave with white armor. Uh, we got landed on by at least three teams. And that fight was probably my finest Apex Legends just gunplay and that like i went down twice through that fight but like every time i went down i took out one person and did like 150 for someone else so like i was making sure that all marcus and sean needed to do was just like touch them when they went down mm-hmm. and then we rotated into lava siphon and i saw a team land on one of the buildings in lava siphon and i said oh a team landed there they're split sean was playing valkyrie another thing i want to point out I've never been able to play a meta comp playing Apex because usually I play Gibraltar and then someone plays fucking an off meta character that they find fun, but just I can't IGL and odds are that character's utility isn't really good. So let's say Mirage. And so like, whatever, Sean decided to start playing Valkyrie and which is actually a really strong meta character for rotates. And with Marcus playing Bloodhound, we have scans for fights and Gibraltar is one of the most broken characters in the game. So like we were fucking set for everything. Problem was Sean went to the building the top of the building by himself <laughs> and there were two people there not one and so he got insta killed yikes <laughs> and so i used my gibraltar all to give me and marcus cover so we could get inside the building i recovered uh, sean's banner but by that time the circle was so small every other team was in lava siphon yeah so uh... we, we had to get out there's only one res on the other side of the map i'm like all right marcus follow me stick by me we'll get to this res my plan worked perfectly I just didn't see a team that had portal into a wall as I was leaving Lava Siphon. So I got insta down and I was like, oh, I'm so unhappy. Uh, and then Marcus was like a foot behind me. He turned the corner and decided to 1v3 a team. And as he was dying, I was able to crawl my ass away, fall off the mountain into a ravine and pop myself res. I had, mm. Because I'm Gibraltar, I had gold bags. So I also got res with like near full health. So I got okay. away, got to the res, res on, and we decided, I looked at the zone, I said, we're going to stay here, we're going to play this position, uh, it's got good rotation to anywhere, and we just started playing this position, uh, we played the building in the back, and then what happened is, what I can only tell you is, like, everything just going right for me. Like, every team who went to us didn't come out of the three, it was either one or two, or they forgot we were fucking there. So we had uh... a Valkyrie solo alt behind us so we killed them and then the other four teams decided to all fight in a building on the outside i was gibraltar so i just fucking threw my alt at them i pretty much hit everyone and then not two and then uh pathfinder just panic grappled into sean who at that point had an alternator so sean insta killed him and then it was in a short time it went from like 15 people up to just me sean and just two solos Wow. <laughs> yep. Yep. And the uh, Octane decided to run into us. I killed him. And then I was weak a bit. So I'm like, I'm a heal. A Bangalore threw a bangle at Sean. He said, fuck this shit. I'm pushing you. And so we just pushed him uh, and we won. And I have the game saved. I have our voice comms. My, my mic audio is not great because I was using my PS5 controllers uh, mic. Yeah. So it's not that clean. And you can hear my fucking... Uh, the movement of my sticks, but mm. otherwise it's like it's a chef's kids of a game. Oh, yeah, so, no, that was that was 
crazy because I remember when um, uh, Avery went down, I remembered that he still had like that self-res thing. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take one for the team and I'm going to see these. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight these three people. The end game stats don't tell the story of Marcus's impact in that game. Like he he died and was dead halfway through and we couldn't really do anything about it because like Sean probably could have gotten his banner, but we couldn't really have resed him. But if he hadn't decided to just fight that team instead of like anyone else would have just run. The minute they saw me die around the corner, would have just run. Marcus took the 3v1, died. But him fighting that made everyone else in the server know that team was hiding behind that wall, which meant that they couldn't chase mm-hmm. me and allow me to safely res by myself. Right, right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Cool. I, I went out like a G. <laughs> 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 but yeah, yeah. So... It's been fun getting back in to Apex. Uh, I only really plan on playing with Avery and Sean or, you know, mm-hmm. just people that I know. I don't think I'm going to be playing that. Like my game that I play when I just feel like playing it and I don't need to play with a bunch of other people is Overwatch. Like I could just mm-hmm. do that whenever. But Apex is something that I feel like if I'm on it, I'm probably playing with Avery, Sean, both of them at the same time or um, maybe like someone from Tavern Brawl. But yeah, so... It's been cool to get back on that, and that is what I've been playing. All right. Uh, before we jump into our next section, um, I, I have a little uh, rant for um, Gun and Bad Operations, too. Um, yeah, this... Okay. So, as we mentioned, or as I mentioned earlier last year, they had a single-player um, downloadable game that was called Gun and Bad Operations uh, Code Fairy. In that game, there is the black and white rider who are like new mobile suits and they both do different things. They look pretty cool. In Code Fairy, they they both were pretty equal in terms of how they played and what they could do. Like the black rider can go completely invisible. The white rider has like essentially a delete button with one of its guns because it's so strong. So when they put it into um Gun and Battle Operations 2, they pretty much fucked the characters. Well, they, they fucked the White Rider. And I'm bothered. So, essentially, what happened is... Feathers the, are ruffled. Uh, yes. So, in Gun and Battle Operations 2, there are three classes of mobile suits. There's a support, there's general, and there's a raid. It's like Pokemon, where support is stronger against general, general stronger against raid, and raid stronger against support. They made the White Rider support, which is fine. They made the Black Rider a raid, which is fine. Um, the raid has like six different weapons, or six, yeah, six different weapons, can go completely invisible, has a flash grenade, which stuns people, has a beam diffuse item, which does something I don't know yet. I don't have the thing. And, you know, it's a raid, so it's strong against supports. They made the White Rider a support which makes it immediately weak against the Black Rider. That delete button gun has a 20-second charge. Now, that might be like, I don't, I don't really have any context for that. You mean cooldown or charge? You mean cooldown? Charge. Charge. Oh, okay. You hold the button to charge it. Like, <laughs> wow. There's, there's, yes. It, for 20 seconds? Bro, it is, it is literally the longest charge in the game. Like... I was so irate when I saw, and then the cooldown is 90 seconds. 
So that's a minute and 30 seconds. The games are only eight minutes long. So, like, it is baffling, frustrating, and BB Studios, what the fuck are you doing? This needs to change. Like, it's at the point where it's not fair. Like, (laughs) okay. And normally, in the way that they balance the game, the supports usually have the most weapon options. Whereas the White Rider only has four weapons, one of them being this gun that requires 20 seconds to charge. And mind you, when you're charging the gun, if uh, someone D- hits and stuff. DJ, quick question. Is mobile, yeah. is this game a gotcha game? Or is this like yeah. a, okay, yeah. Then like my one thing we'll say to this is you're trying to ice skate uphill at this point. Well, no, no, no. I will, I will say that they listen to their the people feedback and stuff because they've, they've changed how some mobile suits worked after like it launched and people were just like, this is, this is dumb. Like this doesn't work. And they'll be like, oh, you know what? Good feedback. And they will modify and make the mobile suits a bit more like competitive. And as it is right now, I definitely see the white rider being changed because it is not competitive at all. Like the fact that the black rider is a raid, it come, it's a hard counter to the white rider. And it's so frustrating for the fact that the red rider, or the, the black rider can go completely invisible. So normally in the game, you have stealth where you can't be seen on the radar. Then you have jamming where you can, if you get close to someone, you can jam their radar. But for the fact that the Black Rider has stealth and is completely invisible, like I've watched videos of people just running past the enemy team just to get to the support that's in the back line, going behind the support, turning off their stealth, and then just completely deleting the support. And it's just like, this is this is wild. And and on top of this, the way that the way that they structure the mobile suits, there is a cost to each mobile suit, and that cost is dictates the type of level. So normally you have the crazier mobile suits at the like 700 cost, whereas the black and white rider is the 450 cost. So it's like pretty much smack dab in the middle of the scale of mobile suits. But like the black rider is so OP that it is just Something has to change. BB Studio, you have to make this change. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. I am more than confident that after your statement, they will change their ways, DJ. I'm pretty sure they will. I'm pretty sure they will. <laughs> hey, hey, if they don't, Ooh, I You gotta, might have gotta... been speaking Russian that whole time, my guy. <laughs> Holy Christ. Was... I, got, hey, I got two plane tickets. Two plane it tickets. Was... Cracking me up just hearing you keep saying black and white writer and, and they're they're in they're in opposition with each other and I'm just like this is uh, feels like America you should, you, you should know you didn't watch Blast Writer on uh <laughs> Hey, maybe you literally could have been speaking a, a fucking foreign language this whole time, DJ. I'm not trying to be mean. I was like, wow. There's a white rider, there's a black rider, there's a red rider, and there's a pale rider. Or <laughs> from the apocalypse. I'm aware exactly. of the, uh, the connotations. There you go. There you go. He gets it. He gets it. It's the hat, you know? It's a connection with the hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to be wearing yes. hats. All right. Whew, I need an energy drink. <laughs> an energy drink. <laughs> with that being said, now let us... Oh, actually, wait, wait, wait. What is that? What is that? I think it's a, it's a word from our sponsors. You infuriate me. Hey there, enjoying the episode? Want to hear more? Then we're going to need your help. 
If you haven't already, please subscribe to our show. And if you have subscribed, great. Spread the word. Tell everybody. To follow us on social media, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at PressX number two start, Twitter at PressX number two S, and YouTube now at PressX to start TV. And if you've done all of this already, well done. And we are back. And now it is time for the quick hits. All right, number one, this comes from Jess Grubb. Uh, E3 Digital Event reportedly a mess and probably canceled. So essentially, Jeff Grubb, um, he's a pretty reliable source of, of news and, and rumors and stuff. And he just made a video talking about how E3 is a mess and more than likely the digital event will be canceled. So all I'm hearing is Jeff Keighley, do that thing. Call the people up. Infrastructure is there for Jeff to do it. I, I've hated the last two years of fucking online uh, showcases of four months of, hey, we're doing our showcase this day. We're also doing our showcase this day. We're going to show the same game, but we're also, we all want to do our own showcases. And I yeah. don't think Jeff has the power to make everyone want to not market their games the way they want to market them. Mm-hmm. That's true. But I, I just... I feel like last year was okay. 2020 was for me just a complete clusterfuck in terms of we're going to have our own event. We're going to have our own event. We're also going to have our own event. And it's just like no one really knew where to go for like basically just to see the stuff. And I kind of feel like because E3 stepped up last year and did their thing, that kind of that was perceived better. So I'm really hoping that they don't think that they can nail it this year and they try to just talk to Jeff Keighley? I liked the E3 approach more than I liked the Jeff, I'm going to take six months and here are 50 different shows approach. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, I I totally agree with what you're saying. I'm thinking that Jeff Keighley does like a, um, what is it? Not not the whole summer game mess, a la Jeff Grubb, but the, um, the whole like opening night live thing that he did where it's just like a consolidated package of yeah the yeah. problem with open night live is as great as open night live is it's still a jeff Keeley production and people still want to market their own stuff so they still want to do their own shows especially if True. on opening night live we going to give a minute and a half to this game while on our own show we can show it for five minutes and show you more and it's not competing with rival x's game my issue with the E3 press conferences as a whole in, in, this, in this current era is as much as people like to bemoan the old school nature of E3, the consolidation of it made it even more powerful. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like you knew for at least a solid week that a bunch of conferences were going to happen instead of... You knew where to go. And you knew where to go. And so I, I want that. I also want a consolidation of third parties. And what yeah. I mean by that is, hey, Embracer Group, unless you have five actual games to show, don't have a conference and don't. And my thing with Jeff Keighley is he's a businessman, so he will lie straight to my face and try to get me to watch an Embracer Group uh, press conference because it makes him money. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in seeing what um, E3's main competitor, Gamescom, is going to do. I know because E3's the one that's coming oh. up E3's before Gamescom. But yeah. you know, seeing that the pandemic is going going in a certain direction, 
there may be an in-person Gamescom. While you know, E3 usually is during the I, early snow. I, I doubt we're like, gonna. No, I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. Um, no, I was, I was just saying, like, seeing a Gamecom is later, and infection mm. may be lower. They have mm. more of an ability to prepare for it. While E3 is going to be coming up a little bit earlier than Gamescom. So last time I checked, because the uh, Valorant Championships happened in Germany, mm -hmm. uh, where I believe Gamescom is uh, taking yeah. place, and yeah. that got nearly canceled because of the rate of COVID that they had. So I'm not hopeful that an in-person Gamescom is going to happen in Cologne, Germany anytime soon. Well, I mean, I'm not trying to say anytime soon, but like later on this year, like, like we'll see. And those conferences require a lot of time to repair. So they would have to have a good understanding by at least May to know if it's going to be in person. But if infection yeah. is going down, there's at least for an opportunity to have a uh, in-person component. But what their online component is, uh, yeah. as opposed to E3 too. I, I don't oh, think... Omarion is burning out, so maybe this might no. be our time. <laughs> Or we might oh, get another strand. We'll never burn out. My, my thing with COVID is that, like, when you're having in-person events, you're playing with fire. Yeah. Because, no, I, I, one, I, you have to, yeah, like, Gamescom, they have to plan that shit a year in advance. Right? So they were like, okay, we're doing it then. Hopefully there's nothing going on. And then yeah, you, Omicron randomly came up. And yeah. that ruined a lot of things. So, like, it's, it's one of those things I'm not confident about. Right, right. All right. Okay. Uh, next up, this is number two. This comes from Kotaku. Uh, Ethan Gotch. Call of Duty QA testers from Activision Blizzard's first union. So, uh, essentially, 34 QA testers from Raven Software, they formed together to create this voluntary union, and they are looking for a recognition. So, the union they've created is called Game Workers Alliance. And they have given their management by January 25th, which will be, uh, we'll, we'll figure out. By, by the time you see this, we'll know for sure if they've uh, mm -hmm. been recognized or not. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So if, if that, hold up. To recognize the union before it files for an election with the National Labor Review Board. Um, a spokesperson from Activision Blizzard told Kotaku in an email, the company is carefully reviewing the request for voluntary recognition from the CWA, which seeks to organize around three dozen of the company's nearly 10,000 employees. It's interesting how they worded that. It's just like, yeah, these couple people want to do stuff when we're trying to, you know, also manage the rest of the giant company. So, you know, I, more power to them. I really hope they actually get this through and they're able to secure some kind of peace and security because it's being being QA test kind of up and down sometimes. So yeah. Number four, which comes from Stevie Vore. I don't never heard of this website before, but uh the article's written by Steve Wright. So Troy Baker back NFT company admits to using content without permission. So uh 15.ai yeah is a service that allows users to create an artificial voice by sampling recordings. Voiceverse NFT has admitted to using the service to generate a sample that could theoretically have been sold as an NFT. They pretty much fucked that. Uh, Voiceverse NFT responded to the claim by boasting sarcastically, the tweet in question has since been deleted and replaced by an apology. We are extremely sorry about this. The voice was intended to take... No, the voice was indeed taken from your platform, which our marketing team used without giving proper credit. Chubbyverse, terrible name, uh, team has acknowledged. It's a great name, Chubbyverse. Chubbyverse. Yes. Chubbyverse. 
The happiest place on earth. <laughs> Chubby First Team has no knowledge of this. We will make sure this never happens again. The creator of 15 AI reported simply, go fuck yourself. Number five, this comes from Polygon. The beatings will commence. <laughs> right. Post haste. Uh, this comes from uh, Jack Yarwood. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga has led to extensive crunch at development studio TT Games. So this kind of... Um, <laughs> so this, this kind of popped, um, I think, just after the trailer for Star Wars. Um, it, was right Legos. it was right before. It was right before? Okay, okay. Yeah, so this had just impeccable timing. So essentially, the developers have been going through crunch hell since this game was in development and the article is a pretty lengthy one essentially the workers were treated terribly and it got to the point where one of the stories that's kind of been making its rounds is that one of the developers was leaving the office to go home and they're being followed by one of management questioning them if they were loyal like that's so fucked. <laughs> that is so fucked. Yeah, like this person, bullshit. yeah, and and more than likely, this person has already been doing overtime, and mm-hmm. it's the fact that they also, when they were planning to develop the game, they were including the time that they have to spend doing crunch, which generally is it's not really how that's supposed to go. Like crunch is supposed to be a thing that all right, well, we need Correctly to get this done. Declared. Yeah, right. So it's just been a mess. And, you know, they have tried to say stuff and try to get change to happen. And it's just, it's just been ignored. Well, the irony in this is this game is, was pushed back significantly. It was supposed to come yeah. out spring last year. So they want to get, they were to have more time to do it. But management clearly just wasn't either providing enough resources or had enough, you know, operational staff to get it completed without them murdering themselves them killing themselves. Exactly. You yeah. would think a game that is essentially just an amalgam of a bunch of other mm-hmm. Star Wars Lego games mm-hmm. would have an easier development pipeline than a traditional AAA product. Well, I, I, am, so? I, I have followed it, at least some of the gameplay videos, and I, I did play the, the older versions mm-hmm. of it. Like, there are some new combat systems and a more active overworld, I guess, that would lead to a bit of a restructuring. But yeah, like, in terms of assets and shit like that, there shouldn't have been that much of a difference. In fact, the, yeah. the Lego assets themselves are, like, so simply designed that right. even if you were simply just trying to up them, you could theoretically just replace the textures without ruining the models in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah you're not wrong. Yeah. I possibly am wrong because I'm not a game designer. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, yeah, it's, it's interesting because you see this and then, um, you know, we're reminded of, dang, last year. I keep forgetting that it's 2022 where um, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart was put out and Insomniac was like, yeah, we made this without crunching. And everyone's just Excellent. like, you're not I supposed to say that in the public. <laughs> I think to Insomniac and to a lesser extent, Sony's credit, they had ample training on making those type of games. They had Sony support based off of, hey, you made X, Y, and Z games. We're just going to give you the leash to do it. And they also probably, knowing how big Insomniac 
is had a ample enough time to do this. I think the issue with this and the development and the management of this in TT mm-hmm. is TT Games developing, right? Telltale. I believe so. Yeah. Well, not Telltale. But Telltale Games are completely I mean, TT Traveler's Toys. Telltale. Oh, oh. oh. yeah. Okay, my mistake. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I think. Like what TT Games? I think mm-hmm. that this is one of those things where, based on every, I'm just this is just me conjecturing. I think that this was inherently a cash grab. That like, oh, okay. hey, this is something that we can easily do and churn out and make a good profit on it. So we're going to create this timetable for it in order to get the maximum return. And Disney being relatively hands off with their properties in regards to game development, like, yeah, sure, as long as it's good, we've got no problem. And this is the situation we're ending up here now, which is fundamentally a management failure. Right. Which is to contrast that, like, the actual trailer for the game looks really, really good. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, what what do you do there? Like, if you are a Star Wars fan, if you're a Legos fan. You do want to support the people that had gone through this shit to get it done, but then you don't also want to pay the people that put the people through the shit to get this done, you know? So, yeah, like, I saw the trailer before I heard about this whole crunch thing, and I was like, I actually might pick this up, but now I am, like, at that crossroads where it's just like, I don't... If there was a way to support this without actually supporting the the shitty people, that'd be great. (laughs) Isn't that the eternal conundrum of American society? Yeah, <laughs> but what's there you can a way do, that I could not give money to Daddy Bezos while also getting that Amazon Prime efficiency? Right. <laughs> I need my batteries tomorrow. Like, damn it! <laughs> I think there is a way, but it depends on what the company uses as a metric of success. Is it a metric of success how big their player base is, or is it a metric of success how many dollars of sales they made? Mm. I wonder if this is coming in Game Pass. Hmm probably not all right uh well with that being said that has been our quick hits and now it is time for the heavy hitter all right this comes from it doesn't really come from anywhere this is we all saw it and it was just like oh what the fuck so microsoft basically just just Made them bands dance. You know what I mean? They, uh, they threw them. <laughs> boy. Oh, boy. All right. So um, the article that we're pulling from is from uh, Variety, from uh, Todd Spangler. Uh, Microsoft to buy Activision Blizzard in mega deal worth $68.7 billion. So uh, just to be, Jesus. just to note. That $68.7 billion is almost half of Microsoft's valuation. So they essentially threw half themselves at this deal. Well, no, my, um, my, my, my Microsoft's market cap is $2.2 trillion. Oh, is it really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you yeah. just trillion? Uh-huh. Yes. The, yeah. the, issue, the issue we're dealing with is, is there's a difference <laughs> between Xbox and there's a difference between Microsoft, the software giant created right, by right. Bill Gates. Right. Xbox's oh, okay. market so, cap is probably what you originally talked about. Yeah, but they're also a okay. part of Microsoft. Let me go ahead and just edit that. Listener and viewer, you, you didn't I said I said Xbox, not Microsoft. So there you go. Um all right. So uh if this deal goes through, this will be Microsoft's biggest ever acquisition and by far the biggest deal ever in video game business, as yeah. well as the largest tech deal to date. Um that's some like Disney acquiring Fox shit right there. Yeah. 
that's like Disney acquiring. I don't know. I have nothing to say there. Um, yes, you're right. You're right, Marcus. Um, so the games line up. We don't really. They got they got Call of Duty. They got Candy Crush. They got Warcraft. They got Diablo. They got Overwatch. And they got Hearthstone. Did you just say they have Candy Crush? Yeah. Candy Crush. Yeah. The game because, industry is destroyed. <laughs> because Activision <laughs> owns King. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so according to Microsoft, the deal will accelerate the growth of its gaming business across mobile, PC, console, and cloud, and will provide building blocks for the metaverse. So yeah. this is yeah, Master this is Chief important. High-fiving Captain Price. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually important because um, I, I kind of want to do a heavy hitter where we talk about the metaverse because it's been thrown here and there. That word's been used to justify a lot of things, including voice versus NFT stuff with Troy Baker. And right now, I feel like metaverse is a buzzword that really has absolutely no meaning. Well, it, that's it, a different story. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, the, the question some people had was, all right, well, how was Microsoft able to do this right now? And essentially, with Activision Blizzard stock under pressure due to the workplace misconduct problems and disappointing results, shares have dropped 30% over the past 12 months. Microsoft viewed this as a window of opportunity to acquire a unique asset that can propel its customer strategy forward. Um, yeah, so essentially with the uh, shit that Activision was going through, Microsoft was just like, to clarify, right. it's not just the shit that's going on right now. It's the stuff that's been going on with Microsoft, I mean, with Activision through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. $68 billion is quote-unquote a steal. Right. A company of this size. I, I believe uh, Phil Spencer had said something about when they were coming, he was like, they're reassessing, reevaluating uh, the relationship with Activision or something like that. In marketing but, speech, I think that means that, hey, we could probably get a better deal on this. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah, so that happened. So there is a breakup fee of $3 billion in case the deal doesn't clear. So Microsoft said that Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick will continue in that role. Once the deal closes, Kotick will report to Phil Spencer, newly named CEO of Microsoft Gaming. So yeah, that was actually one of the questions too, because a lot of people were just like, all right, well, are they going to kick Bobby Kotick out like right now? But Unfortunately, he will be there until yeah, and next year. And I think that you know. the biggest thing was Phil Spencer's new role. Um, yeah, like he, he's like kind of like the president of Xbox. Essentially, he had his cadre of people, you know, Sarah Bond and Adam Greenberg and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. him being CEO of Microsoft Gaming has kind of like shifted their gaming department away just from like the Xbox. The Xbox is a part of it, but now mm-hmm. it's like the Microsoft platform. And oh, that's okay. a lot of power within that organization, at least in terms of the Microsoft Nadella, multiverse. Their Microsoft CEO literally last year saying, okay, we're going full commit with gaming. I was like, maybe blank checks, but I didn't know it was going to be literal blank checks being written to the gaming division. Yeah. So what do you, would you call that? Would, would their metaverse be called the MGU, Microsoft Gaming Universe? Possibly. I guess yeah, so, professional. yeah. Marketers hey, for that position. Hey Phil. Hey Phil. Acquire us. You know, you know what I'm saying? We'll only ask for two million. Like that's chump change, you know? Two million per person, by the way. Uh the next news article it comes from <laughs> Games Radar Plus. Uh Austin Wood and Allie Jones. 
hours after Microsoft says it's buying Activision, the U.S. government says it's overhauling merger guidelines. So on the heels of Microsoft Activision's purchase, the U.S. government's Department of Justice and Federal Trade Commission launched a joint review of antitrust merger guidelines. So uh, the DOJ and FTC monitor and may investigate mergers and acquisitions which could break antitrust laws. Usually, though, anti-competitive, there you go, nailed it, or monopolistic arrangements. FTC Chair Lena Khan explained that the FTC and DOJ today are jointly (laughs) launching a review of the merger guidelines to improve the ability of antitrust agencies to assess unlawful mergers and enforce regulations. It's worth noting that um, this wasn't a response to Activision Blizzard's acquisition. Like, this just happened coincidentally. Um, Okay, so basically, the new guidelines, you know, whatever they may be, they actually could affect this deal going through. So we're all reacting to the possibility of this happening, though it's not inevitable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the deal most likely was written within the bounds of current antitrust laws. What this seems like is more clerical, as in they will have to request more documentation, more forecasting, more studies that can actually prove whether, like, at least on both Activision's and Microsoft's side, that this, you know, it requires more paperwork, essentially, in terms of, like, how they assess and review those. But to say that Microsoft and Activision created a deal that was in no way had any type of awareness of actual antitrust laws is a mm-hmm. stretch. Right. Yeah. A yeah current jumping the gun this. a bit, but like this, this right. isn't something that's like going to go to the fucking Senate and reform our nation's view or the European union's uh, view of mergers. I'm, I'm of the mindset. If the Disney Fox deal was able to go ahead, then there's no reason why this deal shouldn't be able to go ahead. That being yeah. said, this information, all the other information, especially that like lawmakers are now like actually speaking up on like, there are social platforms like, hey, hey, this deal going on right now is not something that should go like people are talking about that. It's gone from yeah. a this is a ninety percent chance could happen to like a seventy five percent chance it will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it gets it's it gets kind of weird. Uh okay, so the there's two more articles and then we can kind of have that discussion. So the third article comes from Bloomberg, uh Takashi Mochizuki and Vlad Savo. Microsoft Activision deal wipes $20 billion off of Sony's market value in a day. So Oof. Sony Group Corporation shares fell 13% in Tokyo, and that was their biggest drop since October 2008, which wiped $20 billion off of Sony's valuation in a day. Games and network services account for about 30% of Sony's revenue. So it's that's... Like a Thanos snap. Really, though. Um... So that's that's that. And then the last thing comes from The Verge from Tom Warner and Sam Byford. Uh, Sony expects Microsoft to continue to ensure Activision games stay multi-platform. They so expect. They expect. They expect. They expect. So this was a quote by Phil Spencer that was a part of the whole um, um, them talking about the purchasing of Activision Blizzard. Activision Blizzard games are enjoyed on a variety of platforms, and we plan to continue to support these communities moving forward. Uh, It's easy to imagine a future where Microsoft maintains Call of Duty Warzone across multiple platforms, but any future Call of Duty games pretty much could go Xbox exclusive. After all, Microsoft isn't spending $68.7 billion to keep publishing PlayStation games forever. Um, Mm -hmm. 
So Sony has responded to Microsoft's blockbuster proposal to buy Activision Blizzard with a comment uh, on what that might mean for the future games like Call of Duty on PlayStation consoles. Sony said, get these hands. (laughs) 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 We expect that Microsoft will abide by contractual agreements and continue to ensure Activision games are multi-platform. Okay, that's pretty much uh, what happened this week with this whole thing in a nutshell. So now we can actually start talking about this. So first up, what do you guys think about these games being multi-platform or going exclusive? Uh, It's going to be real interesting if um, juggernauts like Call of Duty or, you know, Overwatch or other things that have been cross-platform, especially Call of Duty, go Xbox exclusive because, like... I've never even thought of the possibility of Call of Duty being like one console exclusive. And it's it's going to really push uh, Sony into a corner if that happens. You know, like, what are they going to do? Like resurrect Killzone or something like there. I really, really hate the marketing speak between both companies about this entire situation in regards to what they will and will not say because of all the contractual bullshit. Yeah, I think the the point about spending nearly $70 billion to have a multi-platform franchise, that's, that's like, here's the thing. Sony, I think, marketing deal with Activision about Call of Duty and a bunch of content. You will stop seeing Call of Duty games on PlayStation the minute that contract is up. Mm. That being said, there is a question to be made, and this is... This is the only bargaining power Sony has in regards to Call of Duty is that as I was looking at these numbers, Sony makes up more than 50% of the pretty much market capita of what Call of Duty makes. Like they're, they're about 50%. So yep. Microsoft saying, hey, this is only going to be on our platforms going forward. It's just cutting off half of the amount of money that Call of Duty makes, which is half of its, its worth. So it's like it's one of those things where like you spent $70 billion for Call of Duty. Like, Activision doesn't have anything else to really, like, they're a bunch of studios, and they make good games, but, like, all of them make Call of Duty. So you spent yeah. $70 million for Call of Duty. Yeah. I, I'm not Phil Spencer. I'm not the Xbox team. I'm not Sony. I'm not the PlayStation team. I don't know how you broach this divide, because you're not going to start making up the money you spent on Call of Duty if it's not multi-platform on a PlayStation console. And on the PlayStation feel- side of things, good. Call of Duty is, oh. like, for 2020... One, Call of Duty mm. was one and two of their uh, best-selling Top, games. Uh, yeah. Number one was a game that just came out in November, and number two was a game that came out last November. Mm-hmm. And then going down their list, the 2020 numbers were the exact same in terms of Call of Duty was number one, Call of Duty was number two, mm. and then like the highest PlayStation game was t 2 at number six, and then Ghost of Tsushima at number seven. Now, since we know in 2020, like it should be, it took to 2021 for Ghost to get five million. That tells you that when we know the Call of Duty numbers, I think around 20 to 30 million at that time, that tells you how big of a drop off in terms of unit sales there is between The Last of Us 2 and then Call of Duty. PlayStation is just going to increase PlayStation Plus. <laughs> by like no, I, I feel like they're gonna uh find themselves because i i don't think there will be a full-on okay call of duty is off sony i do feel like they're gonna end up doing like a disney and sony spider-man co-parenting deal like maybe they'll just relinquish some of the other games 
two Xbox exclusives, but I don't think they can afford to lose uh, Call of Duty, and they know that. I don't think either company can afford to make this move. So there's two minds here. One being that what Avery said in terms of them going out the contracts at the end of them, Xbox will always have a Call of Duty game on their platform. That platform being Game Pass. This is for Game Pass. And I said it over and mm-hmm. over again that mm-hmm. Game Pass, not Xbox, is the beast here. Not the Xbox console is the beast here. To which what Microsoft is doing is allowing for Game Pass to be on multiple platforms, being your computer, soon to be your smart television, and also older versions of the, of the Xbox and current versions of the Xbox. Their imprint can be scaled upward to that 50% lost on Sony side. But I'm not trying to say that all those Sony players are going are gonna to automatically transfer themselves over to buying an Xbox Series console. But being able to play Game Pass on your television as an alternative or on your computer as an alternative is a pathway to increase those quote-unquote lost numbers of PlayStation players. They're, they're, they're not locking Call of Duty behind the console. They're locking it behind a platform, a platform that's become more accessible than ever. So I see it that Warzone will continue to be supported on PlayStation. I see Warzone as like, that's not going to go away. All the older Call of Duties and even the one coming up, those will continue to be supported and continue. Like, they're not going to yank them off the PlayStation store. Like, that's that's not going to happen, especially when you have people that have actually paid for it. And those con- those contracting agreements that have been made with Activision at the time. But yeah, like in terms of new Call of Duty games, or if there's a new like Warzone 2 or something like that, I fully expect those to be locked behind um, Game, Pass. Game Pass, essentially. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of see all sides, essentially. Like there is the side of, yeah, Xbox just making this thing exclusive. Like if you want it, you have to either get the console or get Game Pass and put it on your computer or something. I can also see the side of Microsoft being like, yeah, we spent almost $70 billion. We got to make this money back. Like, so we'll, we'll put the game on uh PlayStation. It's going to be $70. You can, you can get it free on game pass. So, or, you know, you pay a subscription to get it on game pass. So, you know, those people paying $70, they're going to be paying money and we're going to be getting that money. But I also see the third option of, essentially Microsoft and Sony talking and Microsoft was like, Hey, look, this is on game pass. That's where it lives. See, if you want it, my, you my, can get my, game pass my, on my, PlayStation. Here's, here's my issue with that. Here's my issue with that. We know PlayStation is crazy. doing Spartacus. Yep. Do you mm-hmm. make your own platform and then put the better version of that platform on yours and then tell people, Hey, buy our thing. Like, well, another conversation yeah. about this is that, like, Spartacus is kind of dead in the water at this point with this news. Yeah. That's uh, neither here or there, but it's kind of a thing. Yeah. You, yeah. like, put the bullet to Spartacus's head and say, hey, here's Game Pass. Oh, and, yeah. Like, yo, that's rough. It is rough. Like, yeah. Yeah, Sony's got to run the hands with Microsoft at this point. Like, <laughs> I'm going to keep it 100. When I heard this news, I mauled it for an entire day. I felt yeah. sick to my stomach. And not because of like, any hatred towards Microsoft, but just what this entirely means for the video game industry at all. Like When you talk about that $20 billion that Sony lost in their market share, every other third-party publisher, their market share went up. 
because the idea of them being acquired became more delectable to other sources. And then Microsoft would come out and say, oh, this isn't us competing with Sony. This is us competing with the other tech companies out there who got interested in games. So which means that Google, Amazon. Yeah, yeah. There there was actually an article that I didn't put on the docket that was essentially talking about what Avery's talking about right now in terms of like the possibilities of like Apple or Google or Amazon looking at acquiring like bigger third party studios. It's crazy how just Microsoft went to the jugular with Activision because I was in the mind of, okay, maybe Sega, you know, maybe EA or some shit like that. But they bought essentially four of like going down the line. If you added Mm -hmm. them up together, it would have been one Activision. So maybe they Mm -hmm. were like, maybe we can get away with one for now, the big one. And then have everyone fight for the others, or but yeah, it's it is a damaging precedent. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Like, yeah, it, it, it's it's crazy. like cause like another thing is that like I talked about how Spartacus is sort of dead in the water right now because like one of the things that we had conversations with in our Slack about this is that like I have never liked Game Pass, but not put the content on Game Pass, but just my own personal taste. Right. And in fact. This Activision deal doesn't really change any of my personal tastes. Like, I don't really play Call of Duty. The only Blizzard game I really play is Overwatch. And unless Overwatch 2 comes out in 2023, as confirmed, and Microsoft says, we're canceling Overwatch 2, even then, the promises of Overwatch 1 guarantee that I'm still playing an updated version of Overwatch on PlayStation going forward. So, like, that doesn't really change anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where... No matter how good Sony games are and how much better they are than Xbox games, you cannot compete with quantity. The casual market. That's that, that, yeah, that, 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 like, that's what they're fighting here. I mean, you're just like, talking about the divide between the Call of Duty sales and then like prestige games like God of War, Ghost of Tsushima, and Last of Us 2. Like, yeah, I talked about how one of the reasons I don't like subscription game services is it changed the way the games made. I just didn't expect it would change the way Sony games would be made, and they don't have one as of yet. And it's one of those things where like one of the reasons Sony games are so good is the amount of time and effort and money they pump into those games. As a direct result, they don't come out as often. Well, Microsoft has 31 studios now who, as far as I'm aware of, they've been given a limited budget to do whatever the fuck they want. I don't expect them to start pumping out tens. I expect them to be pumping out five or six, seven to eight every year going forward. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Sony trying can maybe get out one or two tens and then they can't afford the days gone. And I will sit here and talk about (laughs) like seriously. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like, well, my, Microsoft last fall were able to, like, it's in the Microsoft published games. Yeah, Psychonauts 2, um, Forza Horizon Forza. 5, and Halo. All of them Halo, were, yeah. like, there, there is there is quality there, but, like, I, I do agree we had to see it to believe it, especially when it comes to new IPs. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I missed both. When, I'm, when, I'm, when I say all I need to do is pump out 7 or 10s, that's ignoring the possibility of, hey, we are going to put out a 10. Mm-hmm. Like Sony is going those, to those, those studios aren't on the hook for producing like tens. They yeah, can yeah, produce actually, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. Well, Sony studios Spread are, which means like yeah. Astrobot's not competing with like ten mm-hmm. other mascot platforms that are coming out that have a nostalgia for it. Like, they you mean the out. Astrobot Kart Racer isn't going to compete with Forza Horizon? <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where like one reason that made me sick is the fact that it was president because like Sony can't go around business as usual. Something we talked about is that no. the way Sony and Microsoft worked in regards to studios is that Sony was fucking uh, Albert Einstein working on the nuclear bomb. Like they were putting the time and effort in the studio, just making sure it comes out and comes out at 10. And when it does, 
then they like they pull the trigger. Well, Microsoft was like, "No, we have a checkbook. You make games. You make games for Game Pass now. That's how you work now." And, and, and now, let's say one one thing in terms of like Sony and their output. Now they have to focus on the multiplayer. Now they can't rely on the third party. To George, wait, wait, wait. here's here's. No, no, no. To Jordan's point about yeah, multiplayer, they can't win that fight either because the biggest multiplayer in the game that everyone agrees is the best multiplayer game is Call of Duty, which won't be a PlayStation software. And no yeah. no game that's PlayStation exclusive is going to beat the juggernaut cachet of Call of Duty, a game that, despite diminishing returns, still 13 years the top selling game of all time. All I'm hearing is Last of Us Factions 2 just has to add a couple more months to their development they got it they got it (laughs) but yeah like now like listening to this my whole thing is like all right well what's sony's like next move in terms of anything right we have spartacus that is as avery said pretty much gonna be kind of dead in the water like like yeah like what are they gonna do with that um and then i kind of started thinking like (laughs) what could they do and this is wild now. This is this is a wild shot. I was looking at the companies, and you don't have my we got same thought, which is why I hate this. We got Where? Square Enix, yeah, mm-hmm. and I feel like Sony doesn't necessarily have to buy them out outright. They could just buy a majority of their stock. Square Enix is worth three hundred and thirty-two billion, and what? wait, yeah, like all yeah, the yeah, 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 Sony yeah. cannot afford them. Yen, yen, what? yen. It's in yen. It's in yen. It's in yen. Okay, Jerry, put a shit on what I was saying. Yen, yen. One of the things I noticed when doing all this research is how difficult it is to evaluate the market value of individual right. companies. It's right, data is right. not easily there to digest. It's not. And, and the thing is, like, I, out of the Japanese um, third parties, Square is the biggest, and Square has the most properties that. And there's a relationship are, there with Final Fantasy. I, I want to point out that what DJ is talking about now is something I talked about, I want to say, six months ago when I got back on this show about Sony's response <laughs> to Bethesda. So I want to oh, point yeah. out. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. And like, it's one of those things where it's, you know, at that time, it was just like, yeah, well, at, I'd, I'd probably say like at that time, it was just like, well, Sony doesn't really have to do anything. Like, Bethesda is, is big, so, but it's, you know. Yeah, but like now at this point, like I just I wouldn't want to be Jim Ryan right now, you know. I just <laughs> no, like, take that, a vacation. That, that is my, <laughs> this is the thing that made me sick is that the only way Sony can respond to this is they can't go business as usual, working with third parties to make good games and then requiring those third parties slowly but surely, like they have time, or they're gonna get suffocated. They have to make big ass competitive moves against this. Square would have worked when it was just Bethesda. Square was equivalent, if not more, than a Bethesda in that they would essentially be locking Xbox users out of high-quality JRPGs. The ones that like have the cachet of Final Fantasies. It would also really cement their relationship with Disney in regards to Disney-made games on PlayStation uh, platforms. But like, there's nothing Square has that has the cachet and the, like, the firepower that replaces the hole that Call of Duty has created in PlayStation. Yeah, you're not wrong. Here's the thing. This is something I I don't even think because I can't even find the market the data. The only thing that could really compete with the Activision bomb of like, yeah, hey, yeah. we need to compete with this is Take Two. Take if they, Two. If they, if they, I was going to say EA. Fire, well, here's the thing. EA would work as well because then they would remove all the sports games from Microsoft fans. So like, you well, no, it wouldn't because we live in the MLB the show world where that game used to be single game and now it's on everyone because the organization wanted that. 
So like that doesn't even work. But like if Grand Theft Auto 6 was a PlayStation exclusive, mm. that would be just as big of a bomb, if yeah. not bigger, than Call of Duty on Xbox. But good I point. Take two costs eighteen billion dollars. They cost twice as more as Bethesda. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I don't know if that's in Sony's price range. To be honest, because Sony, like they, that'll be twenty percent of Sony's, like like one hundred and forty-five billion. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot to spend. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if Sony can fight Microsoft unilaterally in this type of battle. Cast the cast, they're not going to be able to fight anything. But like, yeah. in, like if twenty twenty-three, when this deal has gone forward, I wouldn't be surprised if like either by the end of this year or by the beginning of next year. Sony has started making moves to start acquiring publishers to compete yeah. with what Microsoft is doing. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be a thing of, for Microsoft, they're done with their moves. I think this, this you think they're going to try to acquire more? Yeah. I feel yeah, like, I feel like yeah. at, at this point, like... Phil Spencer has said multiple times, oh yeah, we're still interested in acquiring more platforms and more content. Yeah, I know. Like, you're always interested, but that doesn't mean you're going to actually do that. Well, like, I, when we, what Avery just said is literally the last time Phil talked about acquiring, and then it became this. But Phil yeah. has not indicated in any way that they're going to stop. What I'm saying is that I feel like after a purchase this big, like, yeah, be a you calm down and you, you, you make sure that it works and they then you go they, about... They won't be able to make a like, critical purchase like this till maybe at the latest June 2023. Because that's when this deal will have officially gone down in terms of like, that's the latest it can would, go down. Yeah, that would probably be the earliest. But I, would, I think realistically, they would probably give the, the relationship of them and Activision a year or two to see exactly how that goes so they can learn from that before they make the next purchase. Look at Bethesda. Bethesda's not even, it's not even dry. Yeah, Bethesda. Well, I mean, but, but like they've had a relation, they had a working relationship with Bethesda for a very long time. Yeah, they want so to that's, not, that's not even, I like the motherfucker. Well, oh yeah, but that, that's not even like a, a new thing for them. They just continue the conversations, but Bethesda just has the Microsoft branding on them. I think this whole Activision thing is very different. We had this argument when the Bethesda thing happened in that the last Bethesda game made for a Microsoft only platform was like oblivion and that's over 10 to 15 years uh, ago the reason why i say that bethesda was a microsoft studio is that like being in the studio they are an xbox studio like they they release their games for playstation but they are an xbox studio and it's just like as a person who was a playstation gamer it's just like god literally everyone there this is this is back in 2010 Everyone there was on Xbox, and it was me and like two other people that had a PlayStation. Had a PSN. well, that was, that was the P3 generation. What? Well, I mean, yeah. Where? But like, yeah. But what I'm saying is that like them, that Microsoft buying them wasn't as crazy of an idea to me, just because of my experience and just being like, yeah, that that makes sense. Like, it was it would be more weird if PlayStation bought Bethesda to me than Microsoft. But yeah, that's that's just that. Um. Yeah, so it's, this is crazy. As Avery said, like it's going to take maybe next year for we to see exactly what happens if this deal actually goes through because we don't know what the new guidelines might do to this deal. It might change the deal. It might force them to have to be multi-platform or some crazy stuff. Or it like might that. force them to sell off parts of Activision during the deal. True. True. Maybe uh, you know, maybe um PlayStation get, get Crash Bandicoot and make a uh Uncharted like Crash Bandicoot game. 
A Last of Us like trash, trash, yeah, trash bandicoot. Trash <laughs> bandicoot. Oh, you're right. You were at the first time you said that name. <laughs> they made superior platform afterwards called Jack and Daxter. <laughs> uh, somewhere right now, Sean is upset. But uh, you won't be able to see that, and, and we won't be able to see that. That was a bad transition. Well, this has been an episode of Press X Star Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode so much and you enjoyed making it. Don't forget to rate reviews from your favorite podcasting apps. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that notification bell. And then after that, you hit that share button. As I said earlier, you share it to three of your best friends and three of your worst enemies. It's a good spread. It's a good spread. And if you want, you can send it to your family members. But only two of them. Not three, just two. Do it. You'll see. Unless one of your family members is your enemy. Shit. Damn. That's real. All right. Well, you take care. Be safe. (laughs) Uno out. Peace.